right. I'm recording. This opening is, recording. The, is the worst thing I've ever. It's the worst thing ever. Like, you said that about ever. another one. Yeah, yeah well, and, and that was probably bad. And this is just worse. It's going to be. Great. I haven't even read this back to myself. So be prepared for me to make no sense of it. No, the thing that made no sense was when you did the <gasps> Nick Nolte to Can You Read My Mind? But we didn't know what was going on. So we just heard his lines. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I was like, was what's, I'm sure I had all the faith in the world that it was going to be amazing, but I just didn't know what any of it meant. All right. Well, let's see. That was brilliant. And we should just separate that out someday and just have him just say the words. So just those words, just have him. Actually, you know, give me, give me like back. 30 seconds to just look it over so that I'm not like completely like wasting any more of your Okay, this is 30 seconds. This is, um. All right. Don't this, talk during it. So I have to read to myself. Jason is going over his lines right now. <laughs> it's not helpful. This is how he's preparing for the opening. No, I if, can't if we ever, read it. If we ever release the documentary, though, I know, people will need I know, to know. I people need silence need. so I can read this no, to you myself. Don't. Okay, Jason is a bit of what we call a diva. <laughs> he needs silence. <laughs> oh, God. This is what's called opening weekend inside baseball. All right, fuck, oh. fuck you guys. I can't do this like this, so I'm just going to do it. And then all frontline cameras have been allowed. Look. Special access. Oh, it's going to be three o'clock in the morning before we're done. <laughs> From the team that served up lunch line. Hey, 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 do you like baseball? I like baseball too. You want to hear something called the baseball song? Arthur Failbottom was a homeless man with a dream. All I want to do is bring a little joy into this crazy, mixed up world. I. Do you watch people on the street? Well, I do. Please stop talking to me. Young or old, black or white, male or female, pig or goat, they all share one thing in common. Everybody's wearing a baseball cap. Yankees, Red Sox, roofing supply companies, fascist political regimes, they all got a hat. Well, my theory is that if you got a hat on your head, you got a song in your heart. You know what I'm saying? I'm just waiting for the bus. Arthur was on a quest to write the ultimate baseball song. You can't hit him over the head with it, you know? When you jump out of an alley and start screaming at a guy, you have to choose your words carefully. I want to unite people. There's too much division these days. Long division, division from the Avengers. This has to be a song for everyone. It's got to be a warm hug. A warm, choke the life out of you kind of hug. I'm sorry, are you talking to me? Stay away from specifics. That's my motto. It's not what's in here that counts. It's what's in here. You just pointed to your diaper twice. But when Major League Baseball finds out about Arthur's ambitions... We have it on good authority that the man having sex with pigeons in this video is trying to create something called the baseball song. This nation has had a baseball song since time immemorial. <laughs> Nothing must tamper with our attempts to sell peanuts and cracker jacks. Nothing! Arthur must face the music. Arthur Failbottom, uh, Major League Baseball is offering you a tidy sum to cease and desist with this baseball song nonsense. Well, it makes you think I need your money. I live with monarchs. 
and other butterflies in the park. It's beautiful there. Cold and dirty, but beautiful. And sing his truth. Baseball, baseball, zippity-doo. Baseball, baseball, I love you because it's baseball. A baseball. A bibbity, 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 baseball. Yeah. Al Pacino. Richard Dreyfus, The butler from Spider-Man 3. This anthem is going national. Baseball song. Speaking of foul balls, can I use your shower? (laughs) (laughs) June 23rd. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 49 of Opening Weekend. I am Jason O'Connell, uh, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to May 11th, 1984, and the release of Stephen King's Firestarter, starring Drew Barrymore and George C. Scott, as well as the mythic Barry Levinson baseball drama The Natural, starring Robert Redford, Wilfred Brimley, and Glenn Close. Also inspired by The Natural and our conversation about Major League a few weeks back, we are going to list our top five favorite sports films. But before we dive in, where were we all in May of 1984? Well, I don't know where I was because I, in my head, we were just talking before. I thought in May of 84, I was in seventh grade and I was completely wrong. I was in sixth grade. And so I had, but I had all these, I had all these great stories from May of 84 of all of these tales of, of love and loss and humiliation that I went through in seventh grade. And, and, and. Now I can't tell them. So this is when you played Hamlet. Don't you remember? <laughs> this was that year. No, it was very similar. There was a very similar to be or not to be situation having oh. to do with the with Ooh. this girl Colleen Nash at a dance, and oh. it was it was oh god, I don't know. I now I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I tell you. Well, you set it up. You got to tell us about Colleen. No, we'll have to wait. You know what? Listen, this is this is fodder for our listeners. You want to hear about you want to hear about what happened to me in May of 1984? You got to keep listening to the podcast. Eventually (laughs) we'll get there. Right. Yeah. But what you're saying is May of 85, which we will will be talking about in a few weeks. Oh, Oh, in like three weeks. We're doing May of 85. Now it's going to be a letdown. It's, It's really not that great of a story. I was probably around this time, probably like just getting ready to to graduate and go off to middle school. Were you nervous? Uh, I, I was, but I think I was excited as well. You know, I, I think at this yes. point I, I wasn't, I wasn't even there yet. I was just feeling like sort of like the big man on campus in terms of sixth grade in Munsey Park. So I hadn't really, the nervousness of, of going into middle school hadn't quite hit yet. Well, you still mm-hmm. have the summer to adjust and sort of let all of that angst build build up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? So I had time to relax at the VBC, the Village Bath yeah, Club. Good and- thing. So, okay, so you went back there again. 
Oh, yeah, of course. With the sweaty, swarthy men. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? It was there. It was calling. The Village Bath Club calls. You answer the call. (laughs) You go. (laughs) You put on your towel and nothing else, and you answer the call. But you know what I was doing at this time, (laughs) which will tie into this episode, is I was starting to read a lot of Stephen King. Oh, really? Yeah. At this age? Wow. Oh, my God. I did not read it. I think so. Or maybe... Maybe closer wow. to seventh grade is when I, I it was towards the end. Uh, when did the Dead Zone come out? I think that was that was like eighty two or eighty three. So yeah, that, that was, was before that was a little this. younger. Yeah, yeah. So I because mm. I remember watching seeing the, the movie The Dead Zone, which you know it's sort of odd. I don't know if it was on cable or if they had it on tape, but sort of a strange movie just to. Uh, be like, hey, you know, uh, 11, 12-year-old kid, watch this movie. Watch, uh, <laughs> you know, this guy, this police officer shove a scissor in his throat, uh, oh, which happens God, in the movie. Good but I remember seeing that movie uh, and then going, like, really, I mean, being freaked out by it, but asking my mom to take me to the bookstore, B. Dalton's, yeah. to get B. the Dalton's. book. Yeah, and, and I remember- and Walden I, I, books. Walden, oh man, you know what? It might've been Walden books, actually, at this point. Right. It might've been Walden books. Love but I both. remember, I have, again, a very vivid memory of going to the bookstore with my mom, and she, like, had me, at, she's like, okay, you know, you want this book, so ask- ask the gentleman what book you're looking for. And I remember saying The Dead Zone by this guy named Stephen King. And that was the first Stephen King book I read. And then, and for years after, that's all I read were Stephen King Mm. books. So, and most of them, Mm. I think I caught up mostly. Like I remember in seventh grade, that was really where I started to barrel through them. But it must've been around this time when I probably first read The Dead Zone, if that's when, if, if I, I'm thinking that's maybe when I saw the movie. Yeah. And then that led to your love of reading Stephen King? Yeah, that was the first one. That was the first one. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I think at that age, I don't think I really got them. As a matter of fact, I just recently (laughs) reread The Stand. Uh, Not a great book to read during a pandemic, FYI. (laughs) But I recently reread it because it dawned on me, like, I, you know, I read that I definitely read in seventh grade. I remember reading The Shining in seventh grade. And yeah, there was all these books that like, I, I didn't, fully get them. I don't think I remember, you know, but yeah. I just, I just flew through them all. And I pretty much through like middle school and high school, I basically just read all of his books. He was my main guy basically up until around misery, I think. And then wow. I sort of dropped off for a bit and then I've come back to it. And I've been reading all his new stuff now that he's been, he's putting out stuff. And I've never read a Stephen King book. I don't think same here, really? Jason, I don't same think, here. Yeah. If my I mom may. read them all. My mom loved them. She would read them all. And I probably maybe read bits and pieces or something. But should we start with dance? should we start with the lawnmower man or <laughs> lawnmower man two? <laughs> no, if you want to read a great Stephen King book. Um, well, there's so many. The Stand is great. I mean, that's yeah. sort of like his magnum opus. I heard uh, Salem's Lot is a good one to start with. Oh, yeah. Again, I read it so long ago. I don't really remember. If you just want to read. He wrote a book. This is the book that got me back into Stephen King. It uh, came out, when did it come out? Several years ago now. Um, in Maximum 2011. Overdrive. No, oh. <laughs> that's a good one. That, that's based on a short story called Trucks, actually. Uh, my friend Holter was in that movie. Get he out of here. Yeah, he played a young child in that. Oh, but um, in 2011, he came out with a book called 112263. It's one of the best books I've ever oh, read in my entire you life. Mentioned this. I yeah, think my it, mother has read this and loved it. It's so it. good. I, 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 it was one of those things, again, I hadn't read a Stephen King novel in 
probably over a decade or so, even more. I like that, I think. And I was just walking through, you know, Barnes and Noble and I saw it and I thought, huh, that looks interesting. I'm like, yeah, I think I'll pick it up. And I picked it up and I loved it. And I told Kate about it. And she was like, well, I'm not really into Stephen King. And I'm like, it's not what you think of a Stephen mm-hmm. King novel. It's very different. And she, same thing. She's like, that's one of the best books I've ever read. Wow. It's wow. a great book. And his latest book, right. and I'll talk about this when we get to Firestarter. Okay. Not his latest book, but it, it came out about a year or so ago called The Institute. It was a great one. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to start with classic Stephen King, yeah, Salem's Lots a good one, is a good one. Uh, like I said, The Stand is pretty damn fantastic. He's an easy read. He's an, yeah. and, not, and, and not in like a, a dumbed down way. He's just, he's got a real, he's got, he's yeah. got a flair for it. He's got a flair for putting the pen to page it. Mm. Yeah. One of these years in here, I think it was this year, we were gearing up, gearing up to go on a family trip uh, after, the, after the school year was over to... Um, really the center of fun on the East Coast of the United States, historic Williamsburg. I've never seen my father so pissed off. You guys know my father. He's a very even keel man. He does not get pissed off very easily. He's a sensitive man, but he's a good man. And he's very even keel. We pulled into this place. The second we pulled in, he was like fucking parking, blah, blah, blah. He never would curse. And he was just pissed off about the parking. I don't know why. But then it was like, okay, your ticket. I don't know if Historic Williamsburg still operates this way. Your ticket only gets you like the fake stuff, like the fake blacksmith and the fake horseshoe <laughs> guy and the fake, you know, uh, tavern and the fake. Wait, Dan, this. I hate to tell you, it's all fake. No, no, it's not, it's actual- not, it's, you're not really going <laughs> to old timey Williamsburg when you just How dare did you you? think that, you know, like- wait, wait a minute. You're not actually transporting back, but we have the time phone. Oh, wait, that's today. <laughs> the exactly. No, Technology there is actually, has left actually Thomas Jefferson's uh, Monticello is there. Like there's actual real historic shit there. Right. It's all extra. You pay all oh, extra to go oh, see, see the actual gotcha. historical shit. It's like, no, that's an extra ticket. And that's an extra ticket. My, and it's expensive. And my father was so pissed because that was the only thing he was really interested in seeing. Yeah. You know, yeah. was like going and seeing that stuff. The other thing at this time, gentlemen, May of 1984, I've said on the podcast before, a little fledgling organization called the Worldwide Wrestling Federation at that time starts showing on TBS, the Superstation. Oh, oh, yes. Once a week. And everyone's going, what's this? What's this new thing? Who is this Iron Sheik? Who is this Bob mm-hmm. Backlund and the like? Who are these people? And you start to slowly, the pot is simmering, simmering at this point. And then soon it bubbles up. Cindy Lauper gets involved mm-hmm. and Captain Lou Albano appears in her video for girls just want to have fun. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the pod boileth over and you have the rock and wrestling connection. That oh, God, I soon, remember that. But not, it's amazing. It's amazing. But this starts happening at this time. This is when it starts to take hold. I start to get into it in about, you know, over the course of like between fifth and seventh grade. And by seventh grade, I'm fully in, fully immersed. And Vince McMahon was like, this needs to go national and mm. let's put it on the superstation so as many people as possible can see it. And that is exactly what happened because people started getting cable TV at this time. Yeah. We, of course, did not have cable. Why? My parents were cheap. However, <laughs> <laughs> 
we would watch at my friend Nick's house and at other houses. And we were all like, what is this? What is this? And then I would talk to like my grandmother and she'd be like, oh, my God, I remember Gorgeous George and all the old timey wrestlers uh-huh, that, you know, that would be at Madison Square Garden. And and uh, she would watch on the old black and white TV and, you know, the old ladies would scream and yell and hit them with their purses. So it was, <laughs> it was all coming back. It was all coming back. Oh. And uh, uh, yeah, this would have been prime time for. I told you guys before the two posters, the Fonz over here, the Incredible Hulk over here. Yeah. Every night whispering me to sleep saying, Dan, <laughs> Dan, your masculinity is intact. Dan, the self-loathing won't kick in just yet. You'll never measure up to what either of us are. However, don't worry about it now. You sleep tight, little guy. <laughs> what about you, JJ? Oh, I was just, I was like, just all things pop culture, everything I was thinking back to. I was like, I can't remember a specific event from this time, but I remember all the stuff I was either into or like dying to absorb, <laughs> like yes. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't know what Gremlins was. I didn't know what Ghostbusters was, but I had seen the ads and I was like, I want that. I want both of those. <laughs> um, I need that in my life. <laughs> this is when I was, I had that, that video disc machine. So I had, my, we had been buying all these movies. I, I was just like constant, you know, I mean, like I do now, constantly watching fucking movies, all the Rockies, all the, you know, whatever. Tootsie was a big one. Tootsie, I watched a million times <laughs> at this point. I remember like, like March or April of 84, we got Tootsie and I, I wore that fucker out. I loved that movie. <laughs> Um, and I was, and it was seeping into like schoolwork and stuff because I, I remember I wrote a paper. I mean, I was in seventh grade, but I did do for English class. We did have to do a research paper in spring of 84. And I did mine on Richard Pryor. It was like the first time you have to do a paper where you're citing references and stuff. You know what I mean? It was when you're learning that format of writing a paper. And yeah. And I just went down this deep dive in like all things, Richard Pryor and, uh, and then I did for another class, I had we had to do a um, a mock time magazine and perfect project and, for you. And I did like but I, and all my stuff was pop. I did a, a, a I wrote an article on Prince and and uh, and Purple Rain. I did an article on uh, I think on like the upcoming summer movies and Gremlin, like a pre, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was like all entertainment related. And then now, maybe I had one thing about Reagan in there. And I remember the teacher, I still remember this vividly. I still have it somewhere. The teacher wrote something like gave it like an A plus, but he said, if this is your own work, dash, and I have no reason to believe it's not, dash, it is well thought out and really insightful and blah, blah, blah. But he did put the caveat there as if to say like, if you plagiarize this, I'm too old and lazy to go look up old fucking Time magazines. But <laughs> but I'll guilt trip you. Just I'll say. guilt you into saying like it's not all my own work. Teach, but you know, it was very teach. weird. It was very weird. You're a sweat hog at that point. Uh, and what else was? I, and I was just really into music videos, and I was listening to Howard Stern every day, and I like Z100 oh, wow. and the top the top forty countdowns. This was when I first yes. started listening. To like top forty pop music, like in earnest, this music is the 80s. videos, everything. This is this is like Prime isn't Van time. Halen out? Yeah. I, mean, I was, I was, I was going to say, know. I remember being in Florida. It must have been that summer, or no? You know what? It must have been because that that came out. When did that album came out? I just remember being in Florida and listening to like it was it was you know December. It was the end of the year, and they were doing you know the 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 top. 
50 songs mm-hmm. the best albums of the year and I was so I was like please let it be Van Halen 1984 please yes. let it be Van and it was and I felt like it was like a personal victory I was so, I remember being in the car with my grandmother and be like yes Nana they did it they did. I was so excited that's adorable Look at some of these songs that came out in 1984. Van Halen, Jump, Purple Rain, When Doves Cry, uh, uh, Prince, obviously. Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, um, Do They Know It's Christmas, Pride in the Name of Love, yeah. fucking U2 is this year, um, Careless Whisper, uh, 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 wow. Isn't, uh, isn't Dancing course. in the Dark? Isn't like yeah, all and, of Springsteen? And all they, uh, of the Springsteen born in the USA. So Cover Me, Dancing in the Dark, all that. Oh, here's one for you, Fredo. Oh, Sherry. Oh, that God, came out yeah. This year. I remember watching um, that video over and over People are people. Doctor, doctor. Smooth operator. Smooth I mean, just. No we need belong. to ask. We belong. <laughs> There's no need to ask. I loved We Belong. You're a smooth oh my god! I still love We Belong. I do There's too. no greater anthem. Oh Hold me now, head over heel. I mean, it's just like good lord, just year. song after song after song. This killer is a killer year, year for yeah. music. And to top it all off, Weird Al Yankovic's "Eat It." Come on, how do you get there better? There you than go. That? That's how you top it. And Ghostbusters, man, that song like the catchiest <laughs> fucking thing you've ever heard in it's your true. life. It's true. It's very oh, true. God. It's very true. It um, Huey, Huey Lewis didn't think so. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, well, he did, but he was like, it, it is catchy. Now pay me, motherfucker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Billy Joel would say 1984 was like, that was a year where we that we really started a fire. Oh, that was, yes. oh, that was weird. No, that was great. <laughs> and the fact that Dan was a pyromaniac in fifth grade. That also is a nice segue into. I forgot I to mention my father burned down historic Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> In a fit of pure rage. Eat flame, Monticello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a little thing called fire starting. (laughs) Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl. Normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one. Did she do that? What are you going to do with it? Well, when you're here, so you can do all your tests. And you give her to me. She can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back off. Andy McGee, played by David Keith. Not to be confused with Keith David, who's also a guy who's in movies and things. And his wife, Vicky, played by Heather Locklear participated in secret experiments in their youth. Years later, the couple's daughter, Charlie, played by Drew Barrymore, begins to exhibit the ability to set fires solely with her mind. This volatile talent makes the youngster extremely dangerous, and she soon becomes a target for both the enigmatic government agency known as The Shop and the creepiest, least convincing Native American you've ever seen on screen, John Rainbird, played by George C. Scott. Stephen King calls Firestarter one of the worst of the bunch when it comes to adaptations of his novels, and critics and audiences seem to agree. Firestarter was not only poorly reviewed upon its release, but it earned only $17 million worldwide after an opening weekend box office of $4.7 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think 
of Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> it brings me back. It brings me back, as I mentioned, with the Stephen King books. Mm-hmm. You know, it brings me. I, I I did read this book. Uh, I don't I don't remember much of it upon watching the movie and just going back and reading some stuff. Th- this this does movie, she start fires in the book or is that a departure? Oddly enough, no, not at all. <laughs> she, it's all yeah. water in the book. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's um, yeah, it, it it hews pretty closely oh. to the book. It doesn't really you know go go off mm. like The Shining does or some of his other uh, adaptations. Interesting. So it really, I, I was enjoying watching it, if nothing else, just, like right when it started. Because this, this was one of those movies that I saw on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. And in rewatching it, I'm going, holy shit, this is the movie that Stranger Things borrowed from the most. Fred, yes. oh my 11, God. Yeah. I had no idea. That was the first thing that Taylor said. She watched a part of it with me. She was like, Boy, did Stranger Things borrow from this? And I was like, boy, I had no idea yeah. that Stranger Things was so influenced by this. Yeah, I mean, I knew when I first saw Stranger Things, right off the bat, I was like, oh, this is obviously, it's like an homage to, to you know, the Stephen King movies yep. uh, with the font. But with this one in particular, that music, the Tangerine Dream music yeah, in the beginning, Tangerine which Dream. the credit sequence is uh, pretty awful with this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's starts, awful. I was like, what the, what it, it, is this? It, it, it was, was cool. almost, I thought it was very nah, retro. It, cool. it, it was like a bad, uh, <laughs> it was like a bad James Bond movie yes. opening where it was like, fire started. <laughs> She's starting fires in your heart. And like, just the smoke in the background. I was now the music at the end I, is great, and it came back to me. I was like, "Oh, I remember this music." Very uh, strange thing because I yeah. went through sort of like a weird Tangerine Dream phase for about like a week. I think I everyone think. did. Yeah, yeah, you know, because Risky Business that was the movie yes. where they really became oh, big. Right. I was a big uh. David Keith fan when I was a kid because the guy was ubiquitous. He, he was, was all over the place, but I can't place what else he would have been. I, I know he played Elvis at some point. Poorly. He played Elvis. He did an Officer and a Gentleman. And oh. that was like the big one there was this uh i'm blanking on some of the other stuff maybe but but at that point i just remember watching an officer and a gentleman and firestarter oh he was in um uh one of my favorite books of all time the lords of discipline they did an adaptation of that Mm. he was in that so those were like three movies that were just always on i was always seeing and so he was yeah, I, I guess you could call him almost like the poor man's Dennis Quaid at that time or something. <laughs> I don't know, but he was just something uh, Kurt Russell-y about him. Too, yes, right? yeah, yes, he is totally. a little bit Kurt Russell-y. Yes. Yeah, who also played Elvis. Yeah, but so <laughs> I always really Weird. liked him. So as soon as the movie starts, and I remember, and what I like about the movie is it starts, you know, right, in, they're they're on the run. Yeah, they're on the run, and I thought I also that. that was really cool. And as a kid, and so I was immediately brought back. So for me, mm-hmm. this rewatch was really, there was a lot of nostalgia involved mm-hmm. and just being, rem- going back to that time and be like, oh God, I remember this. And I remember being really scared by some of the special effects and creeped out by, yeah. you know, by George C. Scott. Yeah, all the George C. Scott stuff. I had made a note. I was like, for whatever it's worth, I remember all the George C. Scott me too. Bits. I remember his delivery of lines. I remember because I remember at that time thinking, God, he's really good. This guy's really good. I don't know that I'd seen George C. Scott in anything before this. Right. 
And, I, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not a big fan of this movie, but I do still. I thought, I thought you know, I was like, God, I, just, I remember. How do I remember just his performance so vividly? Because he's just that, you know, he's just that magnetic and compelling. Even when, when I was a kid, I didn't realize he was supposed to be Native American at all. I was like, I didn't oh, that's realize a funny it until you t- said it just now. Well, I didn't you know, the, uh, Rainbird, that is, his name I, is Rainbird. And then he's talking I, all I about. I thought like, they were saying Rayburn, like Gene Rayburn no, from the match game. Literally. <laughs> I thought that he was related to no. Gene Rayburn. Uh, Gene Rayburn also wanted to kill Drew Barrymore for a, a short period <laughs> in the mid-80s. You can't just be let go. I don't think your father even believes that now. You're dangerous, Charlie, and you know it. Yeah, she was more high than Drew Barrymore on blank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, yeah. No, his name's Rainbird, and he's got the, and the hair, and and he has this talk. Wow. He has that one weird scene where he's like, "Why do you want the girl?" Because he's yes, he wants to what? kill her because then he will absorb her power or something. It was it so was, strange. It's very much like it's supposed to be some sort of the spirit world kind of. You know, okay, I don't know. now it's making more sense to me because when as soon as Martin she, <laughs> is Martin, it really? She, Martin, well, no, because Martin, he wants to take yes her no, power with him into uh, the afterlife. Exactly, he right? wants to take power into the afterlife, and now I'm like, okay. Okay, if he's the whatever this movie's idea of what a Native American would do with that power, I guess, is is the thin line between what he's trying to achieve and why he doesn't just fucking shoot her in the end when he has a clear shot at her. But but as soon as he said those lines, Martin Sheen then read my mind. I went, oh, the character's just crazy. Martin Sheen's next line. You're crazy. You won the contest. Yeah, that speech was was cuckoo crazy but you're right jason i mean there was something almost brando-esque about him in this you know like he was you couldn't take your eyes off him and i was the same way i remembered every moment i mean i remembered vividly his death scene and i was waiting for that i was like oh yeah that's right he's gonna throw himself off and he's gonna make all the weird grasping for air noises uh and the noise that david keith makes when he does when he like does the push that oh 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 when he when he moves things with his when he when he oh, makes people do yeah. things that noise that, that that was the worst description when he makes people do things no but he's you know the power i have the power to make people do things it's not him making the noise though is it no but i think it, i always oh. assumed that it was it, it sounded like him there was something it was it oh. sounded like his voice oh. but no it was just the, it was just the noise they used oh whoa was it that that was George C. Scott playing a Native American. <laughs> no, that was oh, that was the poster of the Fonz above your bed That wasn't them in the Lords of uh, Flatbush. What yeah. movie were they in? <laughs> the the Lords of, of Discipline. Discipline. I'm sorry. Lords of Discipline. Yeah. Hey, hey, yo, but I remember that noise like freaked me out as a kid, and watching it now, I actually thought, you know, I immediately thought about Zapped. And how <laughs> you hated what Scott, the face that Scott Bayo would make and the yeah, noise that would face, happen. Yeah. Right. And I thought, go, and I, oh. yeah, yeah. And when it was coming up to that part, I, I thought, oh, that's right. He's going to do that thing with his mind and there's a noise. Is it going to be like zapped? But I thought, oh no, you know what? <laughs> that sound effect still holds up. I still found it slightly <laughs> creepy. There was something about it that I, that I liked. Well, I thought that him sort of smushing the sides of his head together was going to be weird, but that worked too. Cause he was so committed to the pain. Yeah. He's in pain. What's well, one of the things I like about this movie is that when they're using their powers, 
it causes them physical and mental anguish. Like they even say, no, he's having sort of tiny pinprick hemorrhages as that's happening. Hence the nosebleed and the pain. And I was like, boy, I I really kind of like that. And I love that every time Drew Barrymore is using her power, she's, you can see she's such a good little actress, even at this age. And, you know, and even before this in E.T., she fucking steals the whole thing. She's in my great book, in that. Henry Thomas is probably steals it, but she's a close second. But but, um, you know, the fact that whenever she's using her power, she's pained by it. She's emotionally even at the end. She's just like so, um, you know, she's like, this is for daddy. But she doesn't 100 wa- percent fully yeah. want to be. Massacring well, it's also people. painful because she's got to use her powers to start the fire and turn on the big giant fan to blow <laughs> her hair back. Oh my That's god! That's a lot. That takes a lot of That's energy. So, that fucking thing. <laughs> Stephen like, King has been. He's gone on record saying he that he hated <gasps> that. He's like, what? What's what's with the hair blowing back? Well, you know what's so funny? I want to say. No, well, I don't, I don't think, think it's it. cool, but it's also it turns up also. Later in 1984, it turns up in Supergirl, whenever Faye Dunaway looks oh. at that magic stone, wow. her hair blows back. The same kind of thing. And I wonder if it's a coincidence on Patty Jenkins' part that her movie is called Wonder Woman 1984. And in that movie, every time somebody touches this, ma- again, another magic stone, I think it cribs a lot from Supergirl, but like Firestarter and Supergirl... Everybody's hair blows back when they touch the magic. I think it's pretty fucking funny. But like very clearly this fan. That's like why Drew Barrymore. She's beautiful in E.T. I think as good as she was there, she's bad here. I don't think. Yeah, I think. I think this is a a very bad movie. Really? um, Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it's real bad. And I did. I remember that as a kid. It's not just me being like, oh, now looking at it without any frame of reference i did see it and i remember parts of it vividly i remember not liking it then being like well this isn't scary well this isn't (laughs) anything well this is she's not good here this is you get art carney with a southern accent how can you go wrong i know i was looking for itchy and uh, nala i was uh, (laughs) i was was like i was like which embarrassed him more i thought you might like this one of those that it's a real it's kind of hard to explain it's a uh Wow. You know what I mean? I still like find George C. Scott. Yes. Brand saying it's a Brando like performance is great because it's much. This is not anywhere near as bad or as weird as Island of Dr. Moreau. But it's that thing of like, I could watch him read the phone book. I could watch him eat glass. I could watch him oh, do yeah. whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. no matter how weird it is or what it, it, the guy's so fucking good. This is the same year that he did what is still, I think, my favorite iteration of a christmas carol i think his scrooge is it's wonderful is beautiful uh and he's the only american in that cast of of brits that from that 1984 it was a a theatrical release in england but it was a tv movie here in the united states and i just i george c scott's just fucking fantastic and yeah i think art carney and louise fletcher actually I, i think they're good you know i mean even like the the kind of payoff scenes like of like fireballs and blowing people up it didn't yeah. really nah, it didn't do much really? of anything no yeah. it didn't oh. do anything for me so i was like I, kind of the thing that i'm here to see her setting things on fire was not <laughs> except the scene that earlier scene the one where she's like like burning the guy's the corpse is burning there in the street outside art carney's house that's pretty <laughs> batshit crazy and and great i'm like just there's a dead burning corpse in front of your house i like that now, art, art carney seemed like well it's another day here on the farm <laughs> like know. he's he's pretty Maybe used that's to what it. it was he was he's like oh, i should clean that up wow 
the the ending does you know have its conveniences sort of baked into it you know like all of a sudden um George C Scott is in the most flammable place maybe ever <laughs> on film like it's all dry hay yes. everywhere he goes and i'm like well this is going to catch on fire if she even <laughs> blinks this whole thing's going up it's That's a t- funny. the final scene takes place in a tinder box but also you know this whole thing of like okay i can shoot you but i'm not going to i guess because he wants her to climb the ladder so that he can hit her in the nose and do his and steal her soul mm. or whatever. I guess that's the only justification for why he doesn't shoot her at the end when he has 19 chances and a totally clear unobstructed shot. And the movie's showing you that it's like, come on, man, get, get you know, give it, give yourself the, the uh, give your actor an obstacle here. Now come up here. Don't make me shoot your father. Don't listen to him, Charlie. Promise he'll be all right. I give you my real word. Don't do it, baby. You sure? Yes. Don't do it, baby. You sure? Yes. Don't do it, baby. You sure? Yes. Same director as Commando, Mark L. Yes, I saw that. Now, you know who was supposed to direct this was John Carpenter. Oh, well, that and then would make sense. They removed him after the thing came out because the thing got such bad reviews. Mm-hmm. He was removed from the project. Crazy. What a shame. Yeah. What, a shame. what was the deal with George C. E. Scott's eye patch? Because when he first showed up, he didn't bother yeah. wearing he, His it. character was a pirate. You didn't see the little <laughs> parrot that would come in every once in a while and be like, But it was ah. like sometimes he wore it, sometimes he didn't. I didn't. I, uh, did I miss something? I think he put it on because he was worried that his his crazy eye this is a movie this is a week with two movies with with glass eye performances out of nowhere you have darren mcgavin and the other but but uh the um yeah uh, darren uh, mcgavin's not i'm not mean to jump ahead he's not playing a real person in that movie so why does he have to have a glass (laughs) sorry because that's how he sees into the future but, I guess but, so. uh, uh, no, I think it's to cover the eye so that he wouldn't scare her as much. But the first time he meets her, he's full eye. Yeah, like that's fully, why he's full eye. He goes you know, full eye. He goes full, full eye, eye on her. So it's like, why wouldn't he put the patch on before meeting her? I, I, I agree, Fred. It did not make sense. Yeah. Can I ask you something, Fred, as somebody who's read the, right? You've read this book. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. it was so, a long time ago, but yes. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you don't, maybe you wouldn't even have perceived it. To me. I, I maybe I, maybe this is the most obvious thing in the world. There's something very um, pedophile-like about his intentions toward her and his oh, totally. desire for her, and he touches her knee and the, yeah. the way he does. Yeah, so cr- when you say the thing about like, why doesn't he get the clear shot? It always made me think he has other intentions toward her before he kills her is what i was getting that's why i never thought that he was gonna try and then to he kill says, her i love you at the end and means it i mean he yeah. i think he and yeah. in the beginning I mean, when martin sheen says like why upsetting. do you what's your interest right, he's, exactly. that's when it gets creepy he's like she's very beautiful she's very powerful yes yeah so i thought oh god you know ugh, this is I mean, gonna they get do everything creepy. to come right out and say yeah. that but they do say it i guess yeah so but the thing also that i found interesting i kept thinking of of carrie as well and it's almost mm. Like these yeah, powers, Harry. it's a metaphor for puberty in a way. Yeah. Because with Carrie, 
you know, she's got these powers, but they really come out when she has her first period, mm-hmm. you know, when she becomes a woman. Right. And this, they mention that in the beginning. They're like, you know, right now it's her, uh, you know, she's she once she turns into an adolescent, her power is really going to be released. You know, right. she's a young, she's 11 or whatever. So it's this whole, it's this weird thing about like this almost fear of the little girl becoming the woman you know, yeah. and, and, and what happens in the powers and, you know, the, this, uh, you know, the men trying to sort of hold her down and control that, which I, which, you know, maybe I was, I was digging too deep in there. No, but. I don't think so. No, I remember the story of where you told about your bar mitzvah when you started shooting fireballs at, at, uh, <laughs> at Camp When Drum. I became a man. When you, yeah. That's what I'm saying. When you became um, a man right at that moment, you th- threw a fireball. It came out from my or penis, it though. It all came out from my penis. <laughs> Oh my Shot God. out. <laughs> yeah. He said, this is for you, Canterblum. Kablooey. <laughs> Kablooey. Kablooey. How many Sheila's you giving this? This uh, little fire starter. Three. Oh. You give 3.5. 3.5. I'm, for some reason, I'm, yeah, 3.5 sounds right, but I, I don't know why. I might give it a four. Wow. I don't know why. Though wow. it's yeah, it's not a great movie. It's not not nah, three point five. <laughs> it's not really a movie that I'd recommend anyone watching. I like I said, I really like David Keith Keith David Keith David. Who's, what's his name? Brian uh, Keith. Is Brian, Brian Keith. Keith. I just call him <laughs> Deeth. Deeth. Um, I always liked him. He brings me back. So you know the nostalgia. Fa- you know I, I'll give it a four because nostalgia. Interesting. It brought me back. Yeah, my notes have three question mark, three point <laughs> five question mark, four question mark. So I'm going with a three point five because it's right in the middle. I don't know why I was vacillating in the moment when I typed that, but so yeah, uh, there's mine. Dan, where are you? I feel you're higher, aren't you? I'm considerably higher. I'm you're I'm a between seven, a seven you? and a seven point five on wow. this. Whoa! I really loved the pace of it. As soon as I was like, oh, commando director. Get the popcorn, baby. Get the fucking popcorn because this is going to be fun. I love dad and daughter on the run. When the fuck do you see that? I've never seen yeah. that done in this way. Dad and daughter on the run from the get go. It's like we dropped in the middle of this movie. I loved that. I really, I, I surprisingly enjoyed this. This for me was a hidden gem and I loved the ending. I love the climax of this movie when she's just shooting fireballs. I didn't remember that. Ah. I'll say this about her. I mean, she was very good at what she did. I mean, she was like a natural at it, at starting those fires. Oh, my That's a beautiful thing. Whose time has come. Ow, it burns! It burns, Wilfred Brimley. I'm cutting all of this. The natural. Someday when people look at me, they'll say, there goes Roy Hobbs, the best there ever was. TriStar Pictures presents Robert Redford in The Natural, the story of a father and a son. You got a gift, Roy, but it's not enough. Of love. He means the world to me. And desire. I'm not waiting for true love to come along, Roy. A champion. A Roy Hobbs comes along once, maybe twice in everybody's lifetime. And his destiny. With or without the records, they'll remember you. En route to a tryout with the Chicago Cubs, young baseball phenom Roy Hobbs, played by Robert Redford, is shot by a woman in black who appears to be the definitive femme fatale, played by Barbara Hershey. 
After 16 years, Hobbs returns to pro baseball as a rookie for the last place New York Knights. Despite an initial lack of confidence from his manager, Pop Fisher, played by Wilford Brimley, Hobbs becomes one of the best players in the league and the Knights start winning again. But in a plot thread with bizarre similarities to Major League, this infuriates the team's owner, played by Robert Prosky, who wants Hobbs and the Knights to lose games, not win them. Also starring Glenn Close, Robert Duvall, and Kim Basinger, Barry Levinson's screen version of the Bernard Malamud novel features a stirring and iconic Randy Newman score and earned $5 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total box office of nearly $48 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of The Natural? So many memories brought back. So many times having seen this movie with friends, with my dad, by myself. Um, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, um, a, a movie that I had revisited probably. Boy, this is I, I'm going to say it's 20 years since I've revisited this movie, but mm-hmm. very much a part of my, of my childhood. And just, you know, my, my buddy, Chris had a, had a wonder boy <laughs> carved wonder boy into his own bat. You know really? what I mean? We, we, we watched this movie um, a lot. We weren't old enough to understand the, the ins and outs of the relationship stuff. And I feel like those were maybe were fast forward moments and to get to the game moments and to mm-hmm. get to, to Roy's, you know, the, the story of Roy in the games. Um, I always played, uh, baseball. I played little league baseball, um, from, from the earliest sort of peewee league all the way up through, uh, I think freshman year of high school was the last year I stopped playing little league. And I played that year and that year only for the actual, um, high school team. I was never any good, never, never, never any good, (laughs) bad hitter, pretty bad fielder. Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, and I always thought I was a hidden pitcher, but I never really got the, the chance to pitch. Uh, but, um, I remember the 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 year that my dad coached uh, my team was the year he moved me from the outfield to the to first base, and that was when I kind of came alive as a as a as a player. And it was my one good season where I actually had some confidence and hit the ball a little bit better, and you know made the all stars probably because I was the coach's son, definitely because I was the coach's <laughs> son. But um, you know I had confidence, and that came from. My dad saying, you know, where you might do better is at first base. And then I started hitting the ball because my dad had given me that confidence. So just, you know, seeing him play baseball with his dad and play catch, that was something my dad and I did. See, And then at the end, you know, um, him playing catch again. Um, and just baseball always being part of my life. I watched a little bit of the the Mets game today after watching this movie just because I was in such a baseball kind of mood. This movie on this rewatch is all about light and shadow. There is just yeah. so much that oh now I got to look up the name of the of the cinematographer uh-huh. um because um this movie that was nominated uh, for an Oscar I think this Yeah, I, 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 I Caleb Deschanel and uh what just a wonderful, you know, really textbook kind of lesson in storytelling through light and shadow, through white and black, through lights and darks. And just like, you know, even down to costume, even down to, I mean, Glenn mm-hmm. Close standing up in the stands, her hat is a halo, mm-hmm. you know, later on yes. he is lit and his blonde hair is a halo. There is such myth and, 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 and um, mystery to this. I don't think this is supposed to 
feel real. And that's sort of the knock against the movie is, ah, come on, that would never, you know, that who, who would ever buy that this, that he was that good or that just because he was dating Kim Basinger, he becomes that bad overnight. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to, to, it's 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 not it's not realistic and it's not supposed yeah, it's, to be. It's, it's, it's mythical myth. It's myth. Yeah. He's 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 almost like a like a character out of out of out of Greek or Roman or, or Egyptian myth. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just that, you know. And I forgot that this had been directed by Barry Levinson. Yeah. When I saw his name in the credits, I was like, oh my god, this is a Barry mm-hmm. Levinson movie. Because you think Diner and Rain Man and all those other iconic movies that he's made. <laughs> but I completely forgot. It feels like a movie. Directed by Robert Redford, totally. not because not because it necessarily totally. is is I, I don't know that it's eh, well it is on par with his style a lot but it also it it feels like potentially feels like self-aggrandizing it feels like that thing that sometimes Warren Beatty and some of these other like you know Eastwood and some of these directors it like you've got that thing yes. where you're especially the older they're you know you're getting older but you're still like framed as <laughs> right. like the the, the super heroic figure, you know, you, Stallone does it to all these guys who direct themselves, Costner, you know, that's like, there's a, yeah, there's a little bit wolves. of like, you kind of yeah. can't, it's like, yeah, you, you like yourself, don't you? And you're, yeah, but, but I feel yeah, like Levinson yeah. has that feel like with his Baltimore movies, Avalon, there's this, maybe. Like uh, Avalon yeah. and um, what, what's the other one uh, 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 with, with the car salesman, Tin Men. Tin Men. Yeah, there, yeah. There's something, I don't want to say, Mythical, but there's definitely like a, you know, he's, there's a great sense of nostalgia to those movies, yes, obviously. Sure. And he really, you know, uh, shines, uh, you were talking about light before, but you know, just mm. a warm hue on that time. So yeah, there when is I think something about Avalon, recognizable. It's a warm glow kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to blow both of your minds or oh. I, I'm going to try to, because my mind was blown. So I narrated the audiobook for The Natural. <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago, and now were you I, the first to do it? Had it not never been done? The I book's from nineteen fifty two. Yeah, I don't know, or maybe they did it, and this was I. They wanted to do a redo of it. Cool, Fred. So it was great. It was. I was so excited because you know, yeah, I've I've been a fan of the movie for years as well. I didn't see it when it first came out. I I, I saw it on cable, and I never really saw it all the way through from start to finish until I was much older. And I recently watched it a couple months ago. I think like right when the pandemic began. I remember watching it with the kids, mm. and I hadn't seen it in a long time. What was have you, either of you guys read the book? No, no. But the now I'll listen to is it. Oh. Completely different That's what I've heard. he ends in it ends in disgrace what and he's a much more unlikable character the glenn close character oh. nope not in there there's there's another woman who oh he constantly describes God. as sort of ugly but i guess i'll have sex with her and Oof. he basically gets her pregnant he's not very nice to her uh oh there's a lot God. that's the same but in the book he takes the bribe he takes it and he throws the game oh and the book ends basically God. with like a little kid spitting in his face being like, you know, sort of like a saying ain't so Joe, like that type of thing. That's awesome. And I, re- and I remember <sighs> when I was oh, reading it. it horrible. It's, I mean, it's, it's a much different it's a story. Very dark. T- it's like, it's like yes. watching your, 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 your heroes. Like it's, it said it's based on King Arthur to some degree. You know, they talk yeah. about Homer in the movie and it's like, if you're talking about this mythic, you know, like the fall, it feels like it's uh, like the boys, like, right? Like your heroes, 
falling or disappointing you or the dark side yeah. of your heroes yeah. or something. Oh. I think that's interesting. Not that that would make an inspiring movie. It would not, but it's very no, interesting. It was very, and I mean, to the point where I finished the book and I could have sworn that I was missing a chapter. Yeah. It's like something's not right here because this is not how it ends. I mean, it ends, it's it's depressing. Does he get wow. shot by the femme fatale in the book and leave the majors oh, for yeah. 16 yeah. years? That all happens. That, wow. that happens. Okay, this one's it, Lammer. So I was fascinated after I read the book. I mean, I started to really dig into what happened. Why did they change it? I yeah, mean, I, what was you, the impetus they just behind did, it? It was too much of a downer. To feel like, good. Yeah, they can't make yeah. a movie with Robert Redford. And and so, but what they but did was- it makes it so was, completely different. And that's not yes. the story. That, clearly, that's not what that writer was trying to say with his piece. And then yep. what they did is it shouldn't even be- I don't know. It's it's very interesting because I got excited when you said it. I said, oh, that's great. Not because I think that's like a fun way to end a story or a movie, but because everything I had read said, oh, and much different, much darker. And to me, that said, I, I'm going to the, the movie's 40 years old. I'm going to say I thought that just meant, oh, he dies in the end. He's a martyr, you know, right, and that the movie yeah. decided to make it a happy ending by he survived, which is which works like a fucking charm. And it's so great and so moving. And, you know, the, the movie gets you in all the ways you want to be gotten, you know, from a movie like this. Mm -hmm. But I thought, oh, well, that's what I assumed they meant. But I didn't realize it took that kind of dark a path. And and I think that's really, really interesting. But it's also when I hear that, I'm like, that's so far from the story the movie's telling yeah. that I don't feel it's and there's a that happens a lot. Right. And that happens a lot with novels when you're like, well, why did why is it even it almost makes you think of the Simon Birch thing where it's like based on a suggestion of an idea from reading the back cover of A Prayer for <laughs> Owen Meany. It was like they went to such great lengths to say this isn't really that. That's what this feels like. It should be like based on the first, you know, <laughs> Two seven thirds. chapters of Bernard Malamud. I don't know. But I mean, it does seem like, boy, that's not. Although I did read wow. something that said that Malamud said the movie kind of legitimized him as a writer. Like, yeah. so he, so he was wow. happy about, you know, it's success, yeah. even though How it went in be, such a different direction. You just told Gee, a different story. Yeah. I mean, it just, wow. it's one of these things where, yes, it always, it always gets you. If you don't get chills, you know, at the end of the movie, yeah. you're, you're not, you're, you don't have a beating heart. You yeah. know, it's uh, whether or not you enjoyed the movie or uh, actually, the, the that one, point, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one that really gets me actually even more than so than the last one is when he says uh, uh, when Wilfred Miller's like, knock the cover off the ball. And he does. He does it in the next. That's second. the part yeah. that always I'm like, oh, get the with the goosebumps just yeah, rise up. Because it's, it's the first time. Not how they jumped the ball. That chunk is the ball. Augie. That's a ball. Jesus, you he can't. shot it to pieces. That's no ball. We want a real ball. You know, it's as much as I love the movie. God, this is there's something about it that leaves me a little empty at the end because mm. it is so. 
Is it and the way his son throws the ball to him? Because, <laughs> oh, oh my God. You couldn't find one kid who knew how to throw. He's just like, eh. And it's like, oh, he's not going to be. Okay, chess team for you. You'll be a natural at oh, no. AV club. <laughs> You can't throw a ball, kiddo. You know, but it's interesting. But the rest of the the movie, all the other characters are right out of the book. Oh, I wow. mean, I mean, some of the speeches that Pop gives. And I mean, I was telling Dan before we started when when I was doing the audiobook, I couldn't help when I was doing the lines of Pop and uh, the, the Farnsworth character. Oh, of course. I mean, immediately I started. I just started to talk like Farns. Like I, 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 I had to. That's I great. went into those character voices. I couldn't help it. Yeah. And because a lot of it is right there, like some of those speeches. Like I can't remember if it, the whole thing about him being a farmer. I, I'm fairly certain uh, there's a version of that in there, but those characters are fantastic. Wilfred I mean, Brimley so is well the drawn. best thing about the movie to me. Like he's, oh, he, so the good. movie comes right. alive for me when he's, when he enters the film and he is my favorite part of it and my favorite mm. performance in it. <laughs> what do we got here? Read the Salvation Army band? Pop Fisher? Who wants to know? I'm Roy Hobbs, your new right fielder. My what? It's right here. Scotty Carson sent you here? right must be nuts where do they find these guys red fella you don't start playing ball at your age you retire did you ever play organized ball in your life i used to play in high school excuse me i used to play in high school <laughs> red he used to play in high school <laughs> that's nice <laughs> Scotty Carson signs him up. The judge okays the deal. Ain't talked to me yet. I got that in my deal for as long as I live. They gotta talk to me. And I remember that last scene, the big game. And I mean, the visuals are so, oh, it's just yeah. stunning. Him Beautiful. rounding the bases and he's bleeding and the, and the, and the things the, coming the, down. Yeah, it's the, the sparks. Yeah, all the embers <sighs> falling. It's just goddamn gorgeous. And then the last shot, yes, even though the kid's terrible. Uh, you know, I would have been terrible, too. I was like, I wouldn't mind having a, a, a pathetic catch with Robert Redford either. But it's so, I mean, it's you the expect poster. the shot to be of Redford going, oh, and, that, and fading out on that. Well, fuck this. Well, the fuck end. this shit. And Glenn Close slowly sitting down. <laughs> and pulling the hat down, the brim down over. Her. Yeah, the hat darkens instead like, of lights up. Sorry, uh, could I get a hot dog? Um <laughs> But but I will say uh, in my as I'm going through this, looking at my notes, I don't know that there's a movie that I've used the word ridiculous more times during. Oh, and, come and, on. No, really? I'm telling you, I laughed out loud a number of times and it wasn't always in a, a, a good way. I, I you know, knocking oh, the cover huh. off the ball is great when 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 Michael Madsen crashes through the wall and he's dead and they pronounce him dead i was like that's that's like out of uh, uh, uh the simpsons or something to me i thought it was so ridiculous <laughs> i think it's as, supposed to be funny that yeah i think, that is I think so to too oh, oh, they could the way they're filming this movie it's so earnest and yet so ri ridiculous is the only word i could think of i was like i know it's myth i know they're leaning heavily into it but yeah. i'm like it, I'm not, I don't believe any of it. So they could show oh. the ball landing on the moon and it wouldn't be much more far fetched to be like, boy, that went far. He's pretty fan fucking tastic. It's, 
a pretty ludicrous movie most of the way. And yet it's beautiful and effective and it never lost me. And I give it a very high Sheila count. It works like a charm, but it is like, I am like, boy, I don't remember. I didn't remember it being so broad in so many ways and in so many there's moments. There's something hokey about it, but there's but there's also something about celebrating the hokiness of of loving the sport so much, you know? Yeah. There it plays into that like you're right. You're right. You know, I mean, it's it's no, you know, the fact that it ends with him running around the bases with basically fireworks coming yeah, down. I know. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just it's a celebration of you know, America's pastime. And there's also this whole thing about, I feel like it's, it's in a way, it's like celebrating like the purity of the sport and just uh, the the essence of it. And that it almost in a sense, like you, you, you even have to be pure to play baseball because (laughs) when he's with, you know, the sort of the (laughs) dame who's not so pure, he's, he's off his game, but you know, and then he's with the angel. It's like you, there's a purity Mm -hmm. to the sport. You have to be pure to play it well. Yeah, uh, and, and they and they do they lean into that and they're unapologetic it. about it and I yep. think that's what makes it such a magical movie. But in a way, that's also what tends, like as I was saying, what leaves me feeling a little bit empty. Again, it's a high Sheila movie for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. But that but, is the knock against it is that is the unrealism of of you know. I mean, we see the real. We see the realism realistic of in so many other it does, moments. It, it goes back it and uneven. forth. That's probably why yeah, it makes me laugh uneven. out loud when he dies. And yeah, maybe it is supposed to be funny. It just seems like there are such big, <laughs> no pun intended, such big swings throughout it, which is bold and great. But it also is, in a way, at odds with some of the the, the grittier. And it's not that it's gritty. It's very beautiful. It actually is very. It's it, that first the first shot of Redford sitting there waiting for the train or whatever. It looked like a painting, like a Norman Rockwell painting of like a tired farmer or something. It's really beautiful. I forgot that opening scene. I think when I watched it with the kids in March, we must have, I think I must have like DVR'd it and it started late because I didn't remember Mm. that moment at Mm. all. So much that I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this like a a play on the book? Like, is this what really, there there was a weird part of me that was thinking, and even though I've seen the movie hundreds of times and I know it, how it ends, Mm. There was a part of me thinking, wait a minute, is this really what it is? Like he doesn't like everything's a dream. He's really he's getting well, on that train in disgrace. Fred, you get that impression at the end because it's like, you know, Kim Basinger's so upset, so upset with him because she really is having crisis of conscience. She's like, you will die if you do this. How dare you? I fucking hate you. She takes out the gun and it's yeah. like, you will die. So much is made of if you play this game, mm-hmm. you will die. And then that final moment of him playing ball with his son mm-hmm. may not happen in reality. You know what I mean? And that kind of puts the whole mm. movie into question for me of like, what, oh, wow. and just the way he's playing it throughout it. Redford is so fucking good. And every time anyone's like, so where you been or where are you from or what's your story or tell us about yourself? He gets this faraway look and he just sort of goes, uh, I haven't been around for a while. Yeah, I've been. I've been bouncing around. I haven't been, you know, and the only person he tells his story to is the angel, Glenn Close. So I think that's a, that's a legit read on it is that Mm. no, this fucking guy's dead. (laughs) And all of this, all of this is a dream. Everything after him getting shot by Barbara Hershey is uh, his dream in heaven. Oh, Oh, wow. I like that. You won the contest. 
it it is a legit read on the on the movie. I think is that is now that, you're making me rethink you know, the whole wow. damn thing. Now it makes me want to watch the <laughs> watch it again. <laughs> Because that's really oh, interesting. Hang on. Someone's on the phone who might be able to to help explain it. Yeah. Hello. Oh, my God. You guys, it's Richard Farnsworth is on the phone. Mr. Farnsworth calling in. How are you, sir? So great. To, you, you were great in the natural. Oh, well, thank you very much. I mean, I've been better. I've crossed over to the other side as well, unfortunately. Oh, you're not calling on the time phone. Wait, oh, I, maybe it was the time phone and I got confused. I get confused by the different rings sometimes. No, yeah, yeah, you might not have heard, but... <laughs> Jesus Christ, I put, I put a shotgun. Richard, we'll cut this. Richard Farnsworth shot himself in the head with a oh. shotgun. <laughs> no, no, he, he didn't. <gasps> no, he didn't. Yes, I did. <laughs> <gasps> I have been in this business 52 years and I will I've never seen anything like this it's okay look I, I did what had to be done <laughs> oh, oh god <laughs> it's alright you oh, always my. do Richard Farnsworth you I always I, do <laughs> I'm picturing you I'm picturing you oh, no. in the afterlife wearing just like, you're wearing some plaid, aren't you? I always picture I'm you wearing, always wearing plaid. plaid and, and driving and, a tractor. And, and and nothing else. No pants, just a... <laughs> plaid. Well, it gets, it gets warm up here, even in the afterlife. I hear you. Uh, and, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm up above, but it still gets warm here. And it just feels more comfortable... You know, on on on, on the derriere when you're riding a tractor with no pants on. Trey Kathy Bates taught me that actually. <laughs> when you're doing she misery, almost, she really almost fried her green tomatoes. Oh, if you know what I mean. I don't know what that. I, I certainly do. I certainly do. Now is Wilford up there with you? How's he doing? Well, he the diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. I keep telling him. Wilford, I know you're dead, but you still got to lay off the jelly donuts. Well, and I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do anything else you say, you son of a oh, bitch. I'm, gonna, well, I'm dead now, so I can eat whatever I want whenever There's got to be an oatmeal bar in heaven. There has to be an oatmeal buffet. I don't know who the hell wants that. I, that was, I never touched the stuff. I never I know took a you're spoon dead, but you, you can't fit on my tractor with no pants well, on with an ass that big. I just, just want you gonna, to stay we're fit. We're going to have to just wish for a bigger tractor see because we're in goddamn heaven sorry nope so no offense there lord almighty but we can just uh, i should be able to say zappo blammo or something like that and just we got a bigger seat all of a sudden now, I, I remember that i remember when we used the when we were on the set of the natural speaking of zappo blammo we would watch uh, outtakes of zapped over and over and over again that was your favorite I, I, movie. I you loved love. it. I will because I'll tell you because of the commitment, Scatman's <laughs> commitment. They Scatman's told, commitment. They told exactly, young man, exactly. They told him he couldn't have salami, and he, <laughs> like me, has insisted upon salami ever since. In fact, Scatman, so he's yeah, and he's tried to get on. To, he's a, he was a thin man in life, but now he's put on some up here too because he, right, he, this all is what the I'm salami saying, you want here. All the salami you want. And how much of the tang is Scatman Crothers getting up here in heaven? None. Because <laughs> well, the, I had a glass well, no, of tang Amy this White. morning. Oh, you, I'm sorry. You meant. You know what I'm talking about, you varmint. <laughs> Scatman's Commitment. That was my favorite Philip Roth novel. Uh, <laughs> memory. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Trying to make a movie out of that one, but it just wouldn't stick. No. I just want the best for you, Wilford. You know I that. You're know a handsome exactly man. What you want. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling from the afterlife. <laughs> I did. It sounds know. like you've got a third phone there now. Fella. <laughs> you got yourself a regular phone. You got yourself your time phone, and then you got your uh, your God phone, dead phone, the dead phone. Wasn't that a Stephen King novel? That was my favorite Stephen King novel as well. The ice is going to break. Well, this was lovely talking to both of you. Thank you so much for calling in to the opening weekend podcast from the afterlife. Richard Farnsworth, Wilford Brimley. God bless. I'm eight Sheilas on The Natural. I'm giving eight Sheilas as well. Gentlemen, I'm going 9.5. Very Do good. It. Very. Hey, wait. What? Something interesting. Go ahead. A little interesting tidbit. Yes. I don't know if you guys know the, the answer to this because I couldn't find it. It struck me. I'm like, wait a minute. Darren McGavin, who was wonderful in it. Mm-hmm. I, I love him in it. Love he's him too. He is, uncredited. He's uncredited. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? So I looked it up. Apparently he had a disagreement with Barry Levinson. I don't about know. the I, eye? He said, if George C. Scott's doing an eye thing, I'm not doing an eye thing in the same week. On the, the same, same fucking week. day. <laughs> I don't know what it was. He was cast very late in the process. There was some disagreement, and he he specifically asked not to be credited. Why? And then then years later, Barry Levinson wanted to put him in the credits, and he said no. Again, he 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 didn't want to. Even after all that water under the bridge, and the movie's a big hit. That's so So strange. Strange. Fragile. It must be Italian. Well, you know what they would always say in baseball and in sports in general? You know, you guys know what it is. The big, you know, the big motto in sports, the list is life. (gasps) Right? Isn't that? (laughs) I think that was the motto from Schindler's List. Which is my number one sports movie. Oh, Oh my God. God. Well. Did I get this wrong? I think you might have done. I think you. I think it's legit. Know what Let's a, go with it. What a sport is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good sport. That's what you're looking for. A top five list of nice guys. No? All right, well. Oh, my God. Yes, it is time for our top five Favorite sports movies lists. Uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be very fun. And it was hard to, to keep it mm-hmm. down to, to five. So I'm sure we haven't to some degree. I'm sure they'll be cheating and, uh, you know, maybe a tie here or there, or a little uh, honorable mention um, as we go yeah, along. This was, this was way harder than than I ever expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it to be, too. And as we know, I'm not the most athletic sort. I'm not the biggest sport, <laughs> sports <laughs> nut. Sort. But, but, I, but there's a lot of great sports movies out there, and I love so a lot of them very much. Um, Fred, well, Fred, do you want to go first with your number five? Sure. Well, okay. Or do you, or uh, what do you gotta, uh, okay, first, I got to do, I have to mentions. give a caveat, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is also be a sneaky way of sneaking some more movies in there. Mm-hmm. Because, like you, now I haven't done this, but in the past with your list, and I think, Dan, you might have done this as well, but I know you have, Jason, you've had sort of certain caveats where, like, all right, I'm, oh, yeah. you know, for the superheroes, like, I'm not going to do animated movies. Mm. And, so I thought for this list, I the first thing I did, which was really hard, I knocked off documentaries. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Had I kept them on, 
Hoop Dreams yeah, would probably be number one. Hoop mm. Dreams, I think, is probably the greatest sports movie ever. I did the it's, same thing, Fred. Mm. And, you know, th- yeah, so I took the, because Murder Ball was going to be on there as mm. well. I've never seen that. Oh, it's so, God, it's so good. But th- there's just, to. there's too many. And it was just, it was getting too, I, it was just too hard. Because then if I put those on, I had to get other movies off. Right. And it was really hard. So I got rid of those. Um, I, I'm going to give, <sighs> well, it's either, it's either I do a tie or I do a runner up. Do a, do a tie. Do a tie. Okay, I'm going to do a tie because I, I got to get them both on and I don't know how to do I couldn't figure out. I just didn't know what to do. So, tying for number five, it's Rudy. <laughs> Rudy. Rudy. You're going to play for Notre Dame, <laughs> but you've got to give me the pudding pop first. I... Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> David Anspaugh's Rudy with the wonderful Sean Astin. I love that goddamn movie. It's the little guy. That's He's the great, little guy. Great movie. And he, he overcomes all the odds. And, 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 and by the end, my, I mean, God, he's just so good. He's so good. Sean Astin is great. And you just, you, you totally buy it. You you buy the, I mean, well, it's a true story. So of course you buy it because you know what actually happened. But you know, it's com- it's re- it's completely improbable that this little guy is going to make it. And but he does. It's just a great story about just never giving up. Uh, Rudy actually would have been like my runner up, and this would have been my 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 true number five. Oh. It's uh, Peter Yates's Breaking Away. Oh yeah, which yeah, is yeah. one of my uh, one of my favorite sleeper movies of all time. This is a movie that I grew up with that I would see all the time on cable. And yeah, I just it was love always it. on cable. Yeah. Always on cable. Uh, Dennis Quay, Daniel Stern, Jackie O'Haley, Dennis, uh, Daniel Christopher, Hart Bachner, oh, our favorite from yes. uh, Die Hard. Die Hard. Yes, the, yes. The, the, the great line, but they're just not good enough, sir. It's just, it's a great <laughs> movie. I mean, it's about, and, and, and for, it's funny for the longest time, I never would have considered it a sports movie, but it's, it's, yeah, you know, he's, this character's obsessed with cycling and it ends with it, with the great, with the little 500 the end uh it's it's just a great film and it goes beyond a sports movie i mean it's also about these you know kids trying to to break away you know from their place in society cyril's dad says he took that college exam we both took it how did both of us do well i don't know one of us did okay but neither of us. Hell, I don't want to go to college, Dad. To hell with them. I'm proud of being a cutter. I th- I I had always heard that the term sleeper hit came sort of started around with that movie. Wow. That could be. Yeah, because who gives a fuck about cycling? I mean, I know millions of people do, but I mean, honestly, to make a movie <laughs> about it—that's risky. That's yes. risky in the 80s, you know, to be like, yeah, we're going to make a cycling movie. What, what year yeah. was this? Was that like 79 or 80? That was, in, I think, I feel like it was a little earlier than that. Oh, wow. Oh, so really? uh, okay. I could be crazy, but yeah, I yeah don't know you know, yeah. the kid who wants to desperately be Italian and speaks in a bad Italian accent. Fragile. When Kate and I first met, it was like one of those common movies. I was like, oh, you love Breaking Away? I love yeah. Breaking Away. Oh, we would say lines good. to each other. Nice. Yeah. Dan. What's your number five? My number five is a spoof. It's a spoof of figure skating, Blades <gasps> of Glory. Oh, I ah! fucking love 
that movie. It came so close to being on my list. I love I need it. to revisit it. I oh, saw it in the theaters and I haven't seen it oh, since. Fred, it's dynamite. It's, it's so fucking, fucking funny. It's so fucking funny. Directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck. Um, yeah. Um, I have a reason you know. why it's not on my list and I'll tell you guys later, but, but, Ooh, but, but I yeah. want to hear about that. Yeah. Um, well. Will Farrell, John Hader are <laughs> an odd couple who just could not be more different. Will Farrell is this burly sex addicted, oh. just, you know, out of shape. <laughs> so good. But, I mean, it's everything that figure skating isn't. Chaz Michael Michaels. An ice-devouring sex tornado spawned in the hellfires of Motown. Troubled childhood? If you call being a nine-year-old kid with a 35-year-old girlfriend troubled. At age 12, Chaz escaped a life of running cigarettes and illegal fireworks by becoming a star in Detroit's underground sewer skating scene. The only skater to win four national championships and an adult film award. And then you get Amy Poehler, Will Arnett, the wonderful Jenna Fisher. You know, oh, right. you, get, you yeah. get Craig T. Nelson, you get all these other great people in the cast and they're trying to do, you know, duo skating when they were individual um, champions before that. And there's since there's no rule that says you can't, it has to be a man and a woman. They enter as two guys. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. I've seen that movie so many times, Dan. And I saw it in <laughs> really? the theater on opening night. I was down I at FST. It. I was in Sarasota <laughs> and I went with my cast. We were doing a show. This was in 2007. I remember it open. And when they first skate, successfully Whoa. to the Aerosmith song <laughs> yes. and they do that fucking scissor. Yes. yes. I, I laughed so hard. I remember thinking, <laughs> wow, this is the first time I've laughed this hard oh. since losing my grandfather. I remember thinking oh. like, I was like, wow, I never thought I'd laugh this hard. My favorite thing in the movie is when they have the chase and Will Arnett is chasing him, but they're on skates trying to, because part of the chase is on ice. And then once they're off the ice, they have to walk chase each other on the skates and they get stuck on the escalator. (laughs) Tears. I was in tears. I was like, that is such a simple, brilliant, brilliant joke that you can't chase someone if you're on skates unless you're on ice. Are you crying? crying there's no crying in baseball my number five is a league of their own yeah i love and a lot a lot a lot a lot of baseball movies could have made the cut here um i don't think the natural would ever have made my list even though it's a high sheila for me um field of dreams might have you Mm know um not to give anything away but i mean this is this kind of takes that that slot for me um you know it's just a fascinating story i don't think i did not know before i saw that movie that there was a female league you know much like much like rosie the riveter and all these other ways in which women stepped up and took on the business of the nation when the men went to fight in world war ii i had no idea that there was a professional women's baseball league uh at that time in the 40s and uh, you know, so to realize this was all based on a true story. And I, I, I just remember finding it 
so fascinating and obviously infuriating, you know, like why, <laughs> right. you know, that moment in why time is continue about all those women and what they did and what they were allowed to accomplish and, and the freedom Uh-oh. they found and the power Hello? they found. And then Hello? as soon as it's like, well, the war's wrapping up, they're coming home. It's like, go right back to what you were doing before, which was being totally in service to, to the men in your life. The actresses are all wonderful. They're great players too. Gina Davis. I, I don't, I watched it again recently. It's a great tale of sibling rivalry. It's yeah, uh, it it's, really is. It's the age old story. Good. I love the, Lori Petty. She's Lori great. Petty's wonderful. Yeah. The, the, the person, it's one of my favorite Tom Hanks performance, actually. Mm-hmm. He's great. Mm-hmm. And I, at the He's time so that I first saw it, I didn't care for him in it. And now yeah. watching it again, I'm like, Oh, I'm really, really taken with what he's doing in the movie. It's a really, this was the real turning point for Tom Hanks, that movie. Was this right was before, before he became like America's yeah. sweetheart. He was Tom coming Hanks. off of like Joe, Joe versus the volcano yeah. and the burbs oh, and oh. bonfire of the vanities. He couldn't get arrested. And then <laughs> this happened. And I don't know if because this movie was a hit and it was a big hit in 92, yeah. if this then afforded him, I'm sure he was already in process on, stuff like sleepless in Seattle and and maybe even Philadelphia when this right. kind of hit big but this was that point you could really it was the last second before he was world's biggest star mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's in it. it's a great great cast i you know people i don't normally Love in movies, Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna. I I love them. They're great. Madonna's great. Uh You know who I love in it? Who? Love it's John oh, yes. I was just John about Lovitz to say great, John yes. he's, he's so Jericho. good. It's beautiful. And it's an important story. It's an important piece of history. And so it's heartening that it's uh, that it's out there and so, so, so beloved and so well known. I, every every woman I know of, of a certain age, oh, you know, and my, my sister, sister 30s it. or 40 loves yeah. this movie like, you know, is, is gung ho. And of course, you can see why it's great. League of their own. Uh, oh, I should go to my number four so we can do the pendulum oh, swing. Oh, my number four. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? It is dodgeball, a true Uh, underdog story. And and as I was going to say, like, again, this is where I'm going to squeeze in a couple other titles. There are several sports comedies that I could have dropped in here. Mm -hmm. Blades of Glory was on my Mm -hmm. short list. Happy Gilmore was on my short list. Yeah, that's a good one. And and Caddyshack, which I have a feeling we'll hear more about from somebody, uh, at least (laughs) one other person um, as we go through this list, you know, but this is that slot for me. Dodgeball. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. It's a, it's a great, it's great. It's so funny. It's so silly and an incredible cast. I mean, when Vince Vaughn is your straight man, you know, you got like Steven Root, Rip Torn, Alan Tudyk. It's the best I've ever liked. Justin Long, Ben Stiller is like, it's one of the all time great Ben Stiller (laughs) performances. I agree. I agree. Here at Globo Gym, we understand that ugliness and fatness are genetic disorders much like baldness or necrophilia. And it's only your fault if you don't hate yourself enough to do something about it. And best of all might be Jason Bateman and Gary Cole, and Gary Cole. during the play-by-play commentary for, yeah. is it ESPN 8, The Ocho? Is the that Ocho. <laughs> right you it's are. Just, but on top of that, it's <laughs> so actually, good. it's a great, like the title says, it's a great underdog story. And it is exceedingly, truly fun 
mm-hmm. and kind of exciting to watch them play the game of dodgeball. It's like this seemingly one joke premise that has surprising legs. And I just uh, yeah, it should love work. It. And it does. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just seems like it's a one joke, dumb, dumb comedy, but it's really pretty rich. That's a great number four pick. And I love dodgeball. My number four is Slapshot. Oh, oh, good. I'm glad that got on there. Yeah. Slapshot is one. great. My sister and I used to watch this movie um, when we were younger. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But uh, if Gung Ho had been about minor league hockey instead of <laughs> yes. about making cars, yes. it yes. would have been this movie. It would have turned into this movie because it's like down on its luck town. And what's the one hope of the town? Well, turns out to be this minor league hockey team. Um, and if the town goes down, then the hockey team is going to go away. It's Paul Newman uh, is in it and Lindsey Krauss is in it. And and basically what, <laughs> what Newman decides is that um, in order to get people to go to the hockey games and to reinstill faith in the team and the town, he's going to hire a bunch of goons to play. The hockey. Hanson and brothers. Yes, the Hanson brothers come in and hmm. this movie takes a right turn towards hilarious violence. I mean, hilarious violence. Hey! Hey! hey. You guys are Hansons. Fucking machine took my quarter. Who are you? Reg Dunlop, the coach. Grab your freaking gear and let's get going. Okay. Come on, Steve. Let's go. Took my quarter! I was showing Kate this because this was almost on my list. This was if there was a top ten, it was on there. Mm-hmm. But I showed her the scene uh, where they're just doing the skate before the national anthem, <laughs> and then one of the hands, and they're just literally just skating around, warming up, and just decks the guy, and they just yeah. beat the shit out of each other, and then, and then they're singing the national anthem, and they're all bloodied, and yep. the ref is turning around. He's like, "I don't want to hear that shit again. I don't want to hear." That. And the hand goes, "Will you stop listening to the fucking songs?" <laughs> Ah, Those guys are fantastic. I love somebody from the stands in the middle of the game throws something at them and they're like, get them. And they go <laughs> up into the stands yes. on their skates. It's like the it's like the the the, the Will Arnett thing, right. Plains of Glory. And they're chasing him through the stands. They kick the shit out of him. So yeah, and, and Newman gives a great performance. It's yeah. also kind of a drama. It's not a straight up comedy. Mm-hmm. There's like full dramatic scenes in it. And you really, really, really are rooting for them and for him and the town. Uh, to do well because he's sort of one man against, you know, the system that is way bigger than him and things that are pressing down on him. My number four is a movie that I just watched yesterday with the kids. The kids had never seen it and I rewatched it, but I've seen it many times. It's Michael Ritchie's The Bad News Bears. Yeah, <laughs> the original. Yeah. Yeah, the original. I love and, and I, I hadn't seen it in a while. And I got to tell you, it's still. I think it still really holds up. So good. The kids are great. Aren't they Walter great? Walter Matthau is fantastic. And what I love about the movie is that, you know, with so many of the movies that I'm sure we're going to talk about on this list and with the natural, you know, there's this like glorification of it. And, you know, it's this beautiful light and just the purity of the sport and how, yes. and this is just, just tears it all down. And it's like, no, these kids suck. And they're, the casting is brilliant. I mean, these kids, they look like real kids. They're 
dirty. There's yeah. snot hanging from their nose. Mm. They're, they're they're like not scummy. Good. They're like they're scummy s- kids. Yeah, yeah scummy seventies like, kids. There's scummy seventies. That's a, that's perfect. You know, <laughs> Tanner's completely like this racist little angry. You know, just fire plug. I mean, I I yeah. mean, who doesn't love Tanner? They just beat the shit out <laughs> of everyone. But it's great, and it's also you know I, I think I, I look at it with a different light now, being the father of kids who play sports. You know, and it's also about the parents too, and how it is awful. You know what, 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 what little league and 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 kids sports can do to the parents, and how it becomes more about them in a way, and the coaches. And Walter Matthau's got—I never noticed it until this rewatch. He's got such a great arc. Hey, Engelbert. What? There's chocolate all over this ball. Look, Mister Buttermaker, quit bugging me about my food. People are always bugging me about it. My shrink says that's why I'm so fat. So you're not doing me any good, so let's quit it. Okay, okay, okay. The great thing is they don't win at the end. Right. And that's what happens right. with sports, especially yeah. with Little League sports. I mean, Little League games, they're messy. And another movie that was almost on my list, which I really love, is The Sandlot, which is I, mm, I, I yeah. only watched in the last couple of years because of my kids. But that's, again, it's a fun movie, but it's really like it's a glorification yeah. of the sport. And, you know, the kid learns, the kid's never played baseball. Within a day, he's this great player. This is not that with the Bad News Bears. They get a little better, but not really, you know, <laughs> they're still messy. It's just mess. It just shows the sloppiness of a little league sports. And it's just, it's so That's much great. fun. My number three, it Ooh. is the lovely field of dreams. <sighs> I was going Beautiful. back and forth. I was like, should it be field of dreams? Should it be bull Durham? And I was going mm-hmm. back and forth. And I almost wanted to like keep them on as companion pieces because it's so, it's so interesting, you know, Kevin, you know, cause I think if, if I believe Bull Durham came out first and then a year yeah. later was Field yeah. of Dreams and the characters, I mean, they're both really great movies and, yeah. and he's so good in both, particularly in mm. Bull Durham, but yeah. I love him in this because in Bull Durham, he's so just like grizzled and cynical and angry. <laughs> uh, and in this, he's just so full of optimism and wide-eyed. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, there's something very like Capra-esque oh, about yeah. the yeah, movie. It's yeah. so fantastical. And mythic again. You very know, you, mythic. You yeah. Yeah. Quality of baseball. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, you know, you can have your problems with it, all throughout, but when you get to the end, I mean, sort of what the natural is, but it's just about a father and son having a catch. Hmm. I mean, that last, that's, you know, hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. Is, is this heaven? It's Iowa. Iowa? You know, I didn't grow up having catches with my dad. Mm. We didn't really play sports together. We didn't play sports. I didn't really play baseball. And it's, and maybe my estimation of the film has changed because that's one of my favorite things to do with my son now Mm. is we have catches all the time and it's changed so much. I mean, I remember first having a catch with him where he was scared of the ball, you know, he couldn't catch it. And now Mm -hmm. I'm scared of the ball when he throws it to me. (laughs) He throws it so hard. (laughs) Um, yeah. and, and 
you can't beat Ray Liotta, a shoeless Joe Jackson in it. Mm, he's so true. he's so damn good in it. I, what I love about it is about having faith in the unimaginable, you know, yeah. the unthinkable, the un, hmm. you know, and, and it's like. Which is really um, baseball. You well, know, that's you, it. You, you know, you it's got like a skinny you, piece of wood and you got to hit this tiny little ball. I mean, it, it's, it's almost ridiculous. They yeah. say over and over again, I think it's, maybe I'm attributing it to the wrong person, but I think it was Ted Williams, maybe who said the hardest thing to do in sports, the single hardest thing to do in yeah. spa, sports is hit a fastball. Yeah. You know, at the professional level, at that level, you know, it's the hardest thing in sports to do. My number three. Okay. It's a little movie you may have heard of called The Natural. Ah. You may have talked about it earlier on this podcast. It had to be 9.5. Come on. One thing, it was 9.5 for me. I loved it. One thing we didn't say about The Natural and Firestarter for fans of Anne of Green Gables, which we love, which we adore. You have both Matthew Cuthberts in both of these movies. You have you have Richard Farnsworth, who was the original Matthew Cuthbert. And then you have Martin Sheen, who is Matthew Cuthbert in the newest version of Anne of Green Gables. Insert crickets here. <laughs> the natural. All right, my number three. This is a tie, and I and it's because, and there's some reason. For it. These were my two favorite movies of 2017, number one and number two, and they just so happen to both be female sports biographies that chart the rise of one female athlete and the fall of another female athlete. Uh-huh. It's Battle of the Sexes, starring Emma Stone oh, as good. Billie Jean King, and I, Tanya, starring yes. Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. Um, I think they're both fantastic movies, very, very different in style and execution, but so good. Such muscular performances, very moving, very funny films, and uh, yeah. yeah, and like fantastic looks at both uh tennis and figure skating which is why i <laughs> not that i was not going to include the same sport more than once on the list but i was like i i can't two of my top five aren't going to be figure skating <laughs> so that's why blades of glory didn't make it funny. but um but yeah, you know the, you know the i tanya it's a uh i mean margot ruby is just brilliant as Tanya she's Harding, so Alice and yeah. Janney's incredible as her oh, mother. It's great. like the the inter- entire origin story of that that oh. human being is is seen in the in in mm. the the, 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 of the mother, that, right, Janney? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I didn't like my mother either. So what? I fucking gave you a gift. He cursed me. You're a monster. Spilled milk, baby. It's all about the corrosive side of competition, the desperation of of so many athletes, artists, and high achieving people who want to rise above their circumstances, their social strata. It's a it's a great character study. It's a great tragic comedy. It's a great sports biography. And and Battle of the Sexes. I think maybe I I love even more. I just that's think a fun one. It's it so really good. Is. Billie Jean King's you know the fight for equal pay in the world of tennis back in the seventies 
was uh, it was very inspiring. That cast is also fantastic. Sarah Silverman, especially. Oh, she's great. She's Sarah great, Silverman she's in great it. In she's great in terrific. it. Terrific. Just just chain smoking her way through that. Um, <laughs> Bill Pullman's great in it as that that old school kind of uh, oh, yeah. sports guy. It was like he's like you know all yeah, right little lady we're not going to pay you as much as the men. It's it's really and great. Carell, and and Steve Carell is he's fantastic. Correct. Hello. Eureka, Billy Jean. Bobby Riggs. I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right? He's just great. It's really not a story of male toxicity so much as it's just male ignorance. Just ignorance. Yeah. And uh, and and Emma Stone is she's beautiful in it. In 2017, I was like movies like this, like even like Wonder Woman, it was it feels like it was all part designed to be kind of this victory lap for for women in America. It was like all these movies came out that year and it was kind of like I think there was this kind of assumption we're going to have the first female president. And this is, you know, there were a mm -hmm. lot of movies about, mm -hmm. oh, look female how far family. we've come. Look how right. far we've come. And remember when it used to be like this. And instead, all these movies had this kind of bittersweet bottom Ugh. to them about like it's actually we all know what we thought was going to happen and it's actually these are movies about how far we need to go good uh, choices yeah, yeah. good, good choices. One. and uh my number two time for me oh. to go on to my number two rocky you've heard of it 1976's best picture oscar winner Nice. It's, uh, you know, it's the best of those movies of the 37 Rocky films that Sylvester Stallone made. Um, <laughs> you know, there's nothing like that training montage that, you know, that, that that's the thing. All these montages in these movies. And I love Rocky 2 and I love Rocky 3. But there's just there's no glamour in this thing at all. It's None. just yeah, just sad ugly business a lot of the time and and the, the 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 rays of light are the are the relationship with adrian and like this yeah. you know the idea like maybe i don't have to break thumbs for a living maybe i can do something else maybe i can get away from a certain type of life it's a it's the little glimmers the little moments that are you know that that open this up and especially and those training montages that when he when he goes on that early morning run through the streets of philadelphia it's just so incredibly stirring and uh, and such a great talk about underdog stories. You know, the famous story of how Sylvester Stallone wrote this vehicle for himself and wouldn't let it go, wouldn't sell it to the studio, wouldn't. He'd rather go hungry than let anybody else make this Amazing. movie. And uh, he could have taken the money for the screenplay and run it. Instead, he made an entire life for himself out of it. It's uh, it's I, I think it's basically a perfect movie. I just I mean. I think it's fucking fantastic. Burgess There's nothing Meredith, wrong with Carl it. Carl Weathers, nothing wrong with it. By and, Burt Young. Oh great. God, Burt Young is wonderful, and Tally Shire, and and you know the the and the way it ends. You know, you talked about the way yes. Bad News Bears ends. Yes, the way this ends. If I mean, I've seen Rocky a lot, and you guys have probably seen it several times. I'm sure, at least many, many. How do you not? cry at the end yeah i mean yeah you, you it is just the ending of this movie gets it so right john yeah. g avilton gets it so on the nose with just tonally with the music the shots 
Adrian, you know what I mean? Yeah. Her coming down to get him. It's so and beautiful. as they're announcing fucking Apollo Creed 1, you know, because as they're announcing it, matters. it doesn't yeah. matter. She matters. She matters. Oh, and I'm he crying went the thinking distance. about it now. He, he went, went the distance. The distance. <laughs> he got to yeah. the end of the, it's like, you know, and it's like finishing a marathon. He got there. He did it. <sighs> he did the thing he set out to do. Yeah, it's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's so, per- when I was a kid, it's I was perfect. like, oh, but he doesn't win. That's why Rocky II is better. He doesn't win. No, right. this no, is no, no. this is so the story. much better that he doesn't win. Um, yeah. Anyway, Rocky, my dear, dear friend uh, Dan, what is your number two? Very different boxing movie. Very ah. different. Very different boxing movie. Very different. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Very different. Cinderella it's Man. That movie. I love Cinderella Man. That's very good. But yo, know, it's that movie where uh, De Niro and Stallone fight each other. No, not that one. <laughs> Wait, can I, I, can I, can I guess? Go ahead. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Mother. Fuck your mother. That was my answering machine message in college for the longest time. If you called my number and I didn't pick up, you go, fuck your your mother. And that was what you'd leave a message. It's a raging bull. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, whenever we would be at like my cousin's house or friend of the family or something and they were watching raging bull or it was on i was like i don't like this movie it's scary it's weird it's black Mm. and white it's not rocky and then holy fuck does that change once i start watching scorsese movies and getting super head over heels into scorsese late in high school and then even more so um throughout college and uh um this was one of those movies that didn't see in the theater obviously but saw on video many many times um, it, it shares so much DNA with so many other the great Scorsese movies, and yet it is its own thing. It has its own identity. It doesn't feel like any other movie. It's the story of Jake LaMotta, obviously, and it is, um, um, you know, the the it's based on his real life, but they they take a lot of liberties uh, with it. De Niro is, uh, I don't know that there's a better performance on film than Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotta in this. I gotta accept your answer, you know? But I'm telling you now, if I hear anything, I swear on our mother, I'm gonna kill somebody. I'm gonna kill somebody, Joey. Well, go ahead and kill everybody. You're a tough guy, go kill people. Kill Vicky, kill Salvi, kill Tommy Como, kill me while you're out. What do I care? You're killing yourself the way you eat. You're a fat fuck, look at you. What do you mean, I don't understand, what do you mean kill you? Me, kill me. Start here, kill me first, do me a fucking favor. Cause you're driving me crazy. You're a killer, you're a big shot. Just kill, you're a killer. Excuse me, what do you mean by you, though? So? What does that mean? Don't yeah, mean even, nothing. Even you don't even know what you meant by you. Don't mean nothing. Joey, that meant something. You mentioned Tommy, you mentioned Salvi, you mentioned you. You included you with them. You could have said anybody, but you said you and them. You really let this girl ruin your life. Look at you. She really did some job on you. You know how fucking nuts you are? Look what she did to you. You fucked my wife. What? fuck my wife that scene punch me in the face you know where he's trying to get chopessi to punch him in the face you know hit me in the face hit me in the face oh my god i mean everything everything's being told on their faces in that moment and Mm. and uh uh, the boxing scenes the actual boxing scenes the boxing scenes are great if i have one flaw with 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 this movie and rocky all the rocky movies quite quite frankly is that if you watch an actual boxing match, 
The of amount course. of times that the connection between fist and face happens is about 2000% more in either right. of these movies than in real life. But that kind of doesn't matter. But this movie is so much about like punishment, you oh, know, God, like exactly. that's just him, just Ex- him getting exactly punishment right. and redemption in the ring. And yep, that's exactly right. My number two is a movie that I think I've mentioned to you guys before. It's Remember the Titans. I've never uh, seen it. The great Denzel Washington. It's fantastic. And this is a movie that was introduced to me only in the last maybe couple of years or so. Kate had always loved it. Kate would show it to her kids in school. Mm. And she'd always be like, oh my God, you've never seen Remember the Titans? And I never had any interest. I'm not a huge football fan. Uh, and I just thought, nah, what, what do I, I don't know, something about football and integration and Denzel Washington. Mm. And I, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really interest me. And then she watched it with the kids and they were blown away by it. And then I finally sat and watched it and I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it and loved it and how excited I got and how great everyone is. And it's one of my favorite Denzel Washington performances. Mm. He's fantastic in it. As a matter of fact, this last Thanksgiving, we woke up and normally we watch the parade. There wasn't much of a parade this Mm -hmm. year. Like, what are we going to do? And Ben put it on. Ben put on Remember the Titans. We were going to go out and have a football catch, I think. And he Uh started to watch this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sit and watch this. And we watched the whole movie. And afterwards I turned to Ben. I said, this is our Thanksgiving tradition. We're going to watch this every Thanksgiving. It's it's really, really great. But yes, the the basic premise is Denzel Washington is his coach. It's based on a true story. Uh, Herman Boone, who comes to a school in Virginia in 1971. And basically for for various reasons, they're they're integrating an all black school and an all white school. And they're bringing them together. And so there's a lot of tension. And Mm -hmm. it's basically him. Will Patton plays the coach and he sort of pushed down that so Denzel Washington can take over. And obviously there are tensions because of that as well. But Uh it's exciting, you know, which is what a sports movie should be. You should get excited watching it. And Mm -hmm. so when you get to those Mm -hmm. games, you're you're in it. And and it's really I mean, it's all the kids are great, but it's really Denzel who's just leading the charge. He's, he's so goddamn good. And I, 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 I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. What's your number one? Well, I'll go with the theme of, you know, some, you know, sports movies like the bad news bears where things just sometimes you don't get the big ending and it's not really exciting. And I'll just say my number one is Rocky. And that's hey, it because you said it all. <laughs> so I can't really say anything oh, else. Rocky is so great. No, but yeah, yeah, Rocky. Yeah. And you said it. I can't really add to anything. You know, you, you said it beautifully. It's just, mm, it's, a, it's like it's the so perfect bad. underdog movie. And it's, and it's, and I've been watching it a lot lately. It's been on HBO. Oh, so really? I've been rewatching it and I've seen it a million times, but just rewatching it again. I'm like, God, it's, it's so good. He's yeah. so good. It's just. He's incredible. Yeah. Like anybody who says this guy can't act, it's like Brother, he can. Out of he's mind. A, he's no. fucking fantastic. That man. That's it. And it's just, <sighs> it's a, it's the perfect underdog story. I mean, when I took the, you know, it's funny. You were talking in the beginning of the episode, Dan, about the failed trip to Williamsburg. We sort of had a failed <laughs> yes. trip to Philadelphia where mm. I was, I was like, let's go to Philadelphia. And I, and I, I and the, the kids had a miserable time. <laughs> And I was angry because we were sort of in the historic part. I was like, it's a fucking Liberty Bell. Come on. And they just, they were just miserable and I was melting down. But the best part of that (laughs) trip, and I did it several times, 
was because I was you I happened to be training steps? for a half marathon at the time, so I got up awesome. butt ass early and ran through the streets and going up those steps to the art museum. Awesome. Every, and everyone does it. You sort of, you feel like a cheesy tour is doing it, but it's like, People are watching uh, me. They're uh, like, oh, here's another yeah, idea. Yeah, this is where Rocky ran. Up. I it's mean, great. Um, it's great. And it's because of that movie. It's, it's, it's the perfect underdog movie. So good. How come you didn't break this guy's thumb like I told you? Well, how do you know I didn't break You don't think I hear things? Did I give you a job this morning or I didn't? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So why didn't you break his thumb like I told you to? When you don't do what I tell you to do, you make me look bad, Rock. I figure, look, I figure if I break the guy's thumb, he gets laid off, right? He can't make Yeah, well, don't money, figure it. Let me do the figuring, okay, Rock? From here on, just let me do the figuring. You know, these guys think that we're running some kind of charity or something. They're going to get a flight. From here on in, do what I tell you to do because it's bad for my reputation. You understand? You got, you got it, Rock? I got it. What's your number one, my friend? Maybe someday Burt Young will call in. God, I hope so. Oh I my gosh. Calls in. Great. My number it's... one is a little movie you guys might have oh, heard right. of. You might have heard me talk of it before. <laughs> we might have had Peter Burkrod on to talk of it before. <laughs> we may have made it a special episode celebrating its anniversary. It's Caddyshack. Yes. And you know, this doesn't sometimes make it into the category of sports movies. But you have to remember that without the golf, yeah. you know, it's the fact the fact that it is golf, that this is that is the, the foundation of this movie is part of what makes it funny, because golf is one of those sports that you have to have money to play. And mm-hmm. when and, and you play it at a country club mm-hmm. and, you know, it's where you where you, you have to have clubs you have to have a membership a lot of the time. You know, it's not you can't just you can't just go down to the local park and you can't just go into the backyard and play it. You know, you can go to putt putt, but the, that even costs money. So it's like it's it's part of what this movie's about. The slobs and the stobs, the money, the haves and the have nots living on the other side of the tracks, Danny Noonan. But then the golf sequences, whether it's, you know, the bishop and Bill Murray in the rain <laughs> Whether it's, you know, no, 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 go, 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 go. Whether it's that <laughs> sequence of Chevy Chase doing all the golf tricks or any of the other golf, mo- you know, it's a peach, hun. The two old people yeah. and fucking Scott <laughs> Columby going, what the fuck I'm am I doing out today. here? I'm hot today. <laughs> Wee. She hits it into the thing. You know, that's all because of golf. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about... 195 yards left, and he's gonna. Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! My number one is Bennett Miller's Moneyball. Oh, I yes! Good movie. Great I think movie. It's an incredible movie. Yeah. It was. It's it's kind of one of my of this last day. De- it's 10 years old this year of the last decade. It's definitely one of my favorite movies of the last decade. It was like maybe my number one or number two favorite movie of that year, 2011, when it mm-hmm. came out. And I wouldn't have expected it for a lot of reasons. I'm not normally a Brad Pitt fan. I am a baseball fan, but this is a movie about the the math of baseball and the, yeah. and the stats <laughs> and the business of baseball. It's not about it's not a. It, <laughs> It's what's brilliant about it is it's 
it is romantic about baseball, even while it's it seems to be draining all the mystery and romance out of the sport. But yet yet it's doing completely the opposite because it is completely aspirational. Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, manager and not manager. Sorry. So sorry. The GM, general manager of the of the Oakland A's. And and after losing uh, the the, uh, the the pennant to the Yankees uh, in 2001, he's sitting there trying to figure out what the hell do we do because we'll never. And yet I'm a Yankees fan, so as a lover of the Yankees, you would think uh, you wouldn't like this whole thing. Is like saying like there are certain teams that have too much goddamn money and you can never beat them, and the the playing field is never level. And this guy was sick of the playing field not being level, and he was mm-hmm. thinking outside. The box in an exciting way that that befuddled everyone around him and pissed off everyone around him. Billy, we got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, we're still trying to replace Giambi. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Giambi's on base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324. And Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get. Do you want me to speak? What number point do you get? 1092. Divided by three. It's 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players, three ball players whose average OBP is 364. He, he, performs a magic trick he literally i mean they don't get you know as a spoiler alert i mean it's based on real life so you know Mm -hmm. they they don't get there in the air but they get in the end but they get painfully close and they have the longest winning streak in modern baseball right 20 a 20 game winning streak using these methods using the this approach and and it is a great and like everything else a great underdog story because this team of players these are all people that he was like who can i get on the cheap who is basically burned out who won't somebody hire because they're not handsome enough or they <laughs> because they look weird throwing the ball or right, or yeah. their girlfriend's not hot enough i mean literally the, the the what what in those sessions like trying to like pick a team for the the following year they're Everything they're 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 looking at is about optics. They're looking at like you know like oh we got to find stars we got to find stars yeah. and he's everything like no. but the stats everything yeah. but everything the stats but and the he's stats. like no just focus on the stats don't worry about the stuff <laughs> and it's and it's brilliant and it's also a beautiful story of his personal uh, growth and his history as a, mm-hmm. yeah. a, a a rookie sensation who came up through the normal scouting system and was disappointing was yeah, was a kind of yeah. was mediocre yeah. at best yeah. but who was sold a bill of goods about how he was going to be a star and then when he couldn't close the deal you know he he found a way to be a part of baseball and to make his his life uh in the sport but but he wasn't going to buy into that uh you know that way of thinking anymore and uh and he really and he created basically created the template by which the the Red Sox wound up winning in 2004 and it's just it's great and it's inspiring and it's uh, like heart stopping it's I find it to be such an exciting oh, it's thrilling movie yeah it's so thrilling you won the contest that was good that was a good list boys that was a yeah. good fun list I don't I think we had I, I, any doubling other than Rocky yeah, yeah. Other than and, Rocky I, and I think guys. 
I think when I was doing like my top 10, I was, I mean, I started to do like a top 10. I was like, fuck, it's going to like 15 and it kept going. But <laughs> all of those movies were on there. I mean, those were all on the short yeah. list, all the movies that you had. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. hang on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Phone's ringing again. What? Oh my God, this phone. This, is this our first two phone call episode? <laughs> it might be. Well, this is the regular. This is not the heaven phone. Thank God. Because <laughs> I don't know if I can take another Orangeworth and Brimley. <laughs> this is just a regular phone. Yes, hello. You're on the opening weekend podcast. Go ahead, please. Fred, Dan, Jason is, is Mr. Toad. I, I, I haven't heard from you since sending you the Project Y material. Oh my god. Did, did you receive it? Shit. Uh, yes, but we put it with some, We kind of put it on a... Hold it um, together, Mr. Toad. Hold it. Hair Toad, I should say. Hair Toad. Thank you. Hold it together. I, I, I have to talk quietly because... I just don't want anything to drip on the receiver. Oh no, that would be... Uh, I'm, uh, uh, I have a, a bowl of cereal in front of me. I'm trying not to... Oh, that's terrible. ...drip into... Oh, oh, that's oh, oh, terrible. That sounds it, terrible. Dr. Malot, I don't want him to to hear me. He doesn't know that I'm calling you. What, have you contacted the arthropod squad yet? Dan, Dan, I hate to say it. Dan had the... the don't put it on me. You don't had the blame project. Me. You had the manuscript. We're not in the same place. You're in Peoria. When you had this Look, thick... Oh, for God's sake. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I'm not trying to put it on you. Was that what it was called? That was, the, in, that was the name the of the script? Why? It oh, was Project Y. It wasn't a script. It, wasn't it was a, script. a top secret it was that thing top secret, that, that was that like document. That, yeah, it made us think that maybe this entire thing, including the broadcast, was all the machinations of the nefarious Dr. Malo. Am oh, I right, right, Mr. Toad? That's right. That's right. I forgot. I, yeah, he I gave can't me the, keep the, any the, of this he, straight. He, he gave me the receipt at CVS. Yes. I like, I was, yes, that was it's all coming back to me now. For yes. the people who are listening, where nothing's coming back to them, that's um, <laughs> on the line right now is a tote from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, the the Nazi with the melted face. He's been. It's a long story. Anyway, it's a very long story. I, I wear a lot of bandages. Now listen. <laughs> Mr. Tote, look, we've had a lot of guests on. We had Jeff Rodkey on. We had Kevin Shinnick. We've been very, very busy. We haven't been able yeah, to get back back to uh, the 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 project. Why? What 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 would you like us to do? Do the the, the fate of the universe is at stake. The multiverse is at stake. What do you do? do? I I do, what? Oh, hello, Doctor. I, no, no, I'm just talking to my. Nazi friends. No, I, I'm. No, that's not. I'm not talking to the to the podcasters. I, I, I take I take umbrage with that hair tote. Oh, 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 no, no, don't. No, no, it's not the. All right, it's the podcasters. You do. Yeah, son of a bitch. Oh, oh, what are you oh, doing? No, no, wait, doctor, please don't. No, no, don't punish me, doctor. I, I don't think I'm gonna scrape off some of your face. Oh, no, 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 please don't. No, no, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna see what I'm gonna do with this face juice now. I'm gonna take some face juice. I'm gonna maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll slop some of the some of the hybrid hogs. Sheila, let me get attack, attack. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for saving me. What the hell? What is going on? 
Sheila, you've done it. You've defeated Dr. Malou. Oh, 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 that's right. It's the quail salmon. Sheila has come out of hibernation, finally. And guess what? 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 She said yes. That's beautiful. We got an invitation, a couple of invitations to your your nuptial. So, you know, I I imagine she said yes. Hello? Dan? Hello? Hello? They're gone. They're all gone. gone. So wait, is Dr. Marlowe dead? (laughs) I mean, or is he just... Is he so just swollen with hornet stings? <laughs> I mean, he's swollen, but is he extra swollen with hornet stings? I don't okay, know. we have to unpack that. Wait a minute. Oh, God, I wish we could get them back. To- so, Toad called right. to see about Project Y. Dr. Malo came in and caught him. Was scraping some sh- of his face off into a bucket to slop the hogs, apparently. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> Our fears about Dr. Merlot trying to control the multiverse were confirmed. By and then, a Nazi. Right. How can we trust? <laughs> By a fictional Nazi. A so fictional Nazi confirmed be, it. With a melted face. But it might be, yeah, maybe, yeah, he might be, you know. Then he commanded Sheila to attack Dr. Merlot. She did. We heard that. Yeah, heard that. Well, we did. Dr. Merlot went silent. I guess, yeah, went silent. Richard Dreyfus confirmed that they... That he did, in fact, propose <laughs> to Sheila and that they are, in fact, engaged because she Oof. said yes. All right. Well, that's uh, uh, all right. So if we, you Dr. know, Milo may just need an EpiPen. We not. I don't know. I don't know if he's dead or dying or what, but he's down for the count, at least a little bit. And, you know, it's weird that they sent out invitations <laughs> before. Before he well, I got, I think it was a, because he was trying to control the multiverse, right? Oh, Doctor Merlot sent the invitations. Maybe <sighs> he did because he, he, you know, that that Project Y said something like the 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 project will come to its culmination on the consummation night of their wedding, and that they'll be able to control oh, more boy. than one universe. <gasps> Right? Oh boy, so we got I, I don't know. Maybe I think Dan and I have swapped brains because I don't remember any of this. <laughs> it was so many episodes ago. Well, I listen, know. One yeah, thing is certain. What just happened probably <laughs> should have taken three episodes, but we had a lot on our plate. We That's had a true. Lot You're right. Okay. That was, That's we, true. That we had we had a lot of guests. We had a lot of lists. And because um, May nineteenth you know, is the wedding, right? It's exactly. the first wedding or twenty sixth, but. You know, I, I think it lines up nicely that it seems like this wedding is going to happen with episode 50. I know that. Well, that is that's synergy right there. You got you, you can't argue with what they, they, the guys just I mean, they've handed it to us on a plate. Well, I guess we're going to find out what happens next week. And next week is a big one. Folks. Oh. It is the 50th episode Yay! of opening weekend we Holy are basically we're basically a, we're a, we we took t- over the course of this year we did take two weeks off one around halloween and one just a few weeks back so 50 episodes really over 52 weeks we're coming up to like our our year anniversary of the podcast our one year anniversary we have a, a, a i think at least the first of two weddings of the century to attend or disrupt or something. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but we also have to review some movies and uh, and we're going back to where it all began with.
the Star Wars trilogy. That's right. We are traveling back to May 23rd, 1980. And the second installment, or episode five, if you want to go that way, of uh, George Lucas's Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. And that week also saw The Shining released into theaters. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, a classic starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. And, you know, come on, The Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, two of the greatest films of all time, really, uh, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. And you got to finish it off with the week's third release, The Gong Show Movie. You son of a bitch. Yes, The Gong Show made a movie, oh, I Gene, guess. Gene, the and, uh, machine. came out. It, they thought, why don't we go head to head with Nicholson and Star Wars? Ah. And, uh, you know, and as you know, you know, it's a holiday classic. Everybody watches it every year. So, you know, they, they it was I a saw good, that movie. Was I have you really? I don't remember a thing about Come it, but on. I remember seeing it it's in a, the theaters. Uh, we're going to be on the Roku. We're going to be able to find it on one of those like <laughs> weird little streaming <laughs> channels. <laughs> I think Tubi. Yeah. Tubi shows it. So we're going to watch it. It'd be like That's the unknown right. comic channel or the something. Gong- like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, The Gong Show Movie, The Wedding of the Century. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some mail sack letters coming up. It's going to be it's going to be a big, fat, juicy, wonderful 50th episode of opening weekend dan how are you gonna close episode 49 out for us i think we have to attempt the theme from the natural so imagine me okay i'm in the stadium i'm stepping up to the plate all the reporters are there they're flashing their cameras yeah glenn close stands up in the stands put your hands up nice and slow yeah that's right and i put my hands together So unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful, Dan. That was beautiful. When you put the hands together, (laughs) is a hand for you and me. Is my right hand. (laughs) Is my left hand. Put them together. What do you see? I'm gonna have out with a friend. Have fun, friend, you and me. A dooby dooby, a dooby dooby. Short people, hand on the That's the way it should be. A hand on right, left, you and me. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa. 
with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.